This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Put his first ever Panini sticker sold at auction for $555,000 oh uh, uh, earlier this year. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time, injury time. Knockout takes, Almunia saves, knockout follows in, Almunia saves again. And now Wapner on the counter attack. Boris Vieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Troy has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia. You're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Joining us this evening, Greg Lansdowne. Hello, how are you? Yeah, very well. Nice to be speaking to Watford supporters a few days before they play my favourite team. So, well, that's very interesting. That we'll, we'll cover that, I think, during this uh, this little chat. But just uh, before we really get stuck into it, just to say f- thank you for joining us. And myself and Justin uh, are always looking for you know you know people football. It, it's kind of our passion. Obviously, we're we're two Watford supporters. You appeared on our, our Twitter feed at a really exciting time. I guess in your life, really, you know, for for those of the people that don't know you, you're the author of a of a brand new book. Can you just sort of tell the guys, tell the listeners about what it is and and what to expect from it? Yeah, it's called Padini Football Stickers: The Official Celebration. I have to I have to try and think about it because it's actually not one of those <laughs> titles that uh, rolls off the tongue. It, it's one of those. Uh, it, it does what it says on the tin. Type type uh, name, so it's pretty obvious what it is from from looking at it. It's uh, it's the 60th anniversary of Panini this year. So I when I when I wrote to Bloomsbury uh, four years ago, it wasn't necessarily the intention to uh, to spin it out so much that uh, that it would it would be a book to coincide with the 60th anniversary. But it's all serendipity, you can call it. It's it's turned out that way. It celebrates uh, all the World Cup all the Euro albums, but also all the classic UK domestic albums between Football 78 and Football 93. Uh, so it will be very image-based, but also lots of lots of content are, are around it as, as well. Joining the dots, that, that era also coincides with a very nice period in Watford's history. So as you yeah. can imagine, there, there'll be some nice references for, for the Hornets in there. Fantastic. Now, you say 60th uh, anniversary of Panini. How did Panini start? Was it always a sticker company or did they do something else first? Or No, no. <laughs> well, I, I suppose I suppose they, they, they did. The, the Panini family had a, a, a newsstand in Modena, Italy uh, from, uh, from the 50s. When you've got a newsstand, you don't just sell newspapers and magazines. You've also got some collectibles. They found that collectibles were popular. By by chance, they they came across um, in a in a lockup garage somewhere some old discarded football cards from a from a, a different publisher, and they thought, why don't we package these up into two two cards at a time, put them, sell them 
and see how they go. And they sold really well. Uh, th- then they thought, why don't we try our own album? And uh, the first one, the first Panini album was for the 61-62 season in, in Italy. They've never stopped doing Italian domestic football albums since. They then diversified into World Cups from Mexico 70. European Championships from the 80, from 1980, uh, that they branched out into other countries outside of Italy in the 70s, so Belgium, uh, Spain, and they, uh, France, rather. And then uh, and then they, they moved into the UK in the late 70s. And then from that point to the early 90s was... Uh, if you, if you grew up in the 80s and you're a football supporter, it's very unlikely you didn't collect Panini stickers. I certainly had one. Football 85 was the first one I ever got. And uh, I remember it clearly. I remember, you know, swapping them in the, in the playground and trying very hard to get the bits I needed. It was never easy. So, yeah, I, I grew up with football stickers. I loved Panini albums. I also remember just going off football. I had one which was for, I think, the Back to the Future <coughs> film, which I, th- I think I completed. But, yeah, I mean, Panini's been something that I've known about for, for for a very long time. So I take it you were a collector as well, were you? Yes, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm slightly older than you. So football seventy nine was uh, my. <laughs> Don't be my so first sure, because Justin he gives off that appearance. <laughs> Don't be so sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously, I was only one years old when I <laughs> exactly. Album, so, uh, so yeah, that's that's where it started. And uh, similarly to you with football eighty five, you just you just get sucked in. Yeah. Uh, there's well, when we grow up, and now there's. There's so many things around football, but when when you ask kids of the eighties who were football supporters, what do they most remember? What what most symbolises their fandoms? You, you'd have people who bought Match and Shoot and Roy the Rovers and collected mm. programmes and maybe pin badges and scarves and shirts, but the vast majority, when they put their list out, right near the top for all of them will be Panini stickers because it was. It was a community. You you collected for your own album, but you went to school. You swapped. It it, it meant a lot if you if you did a good swap. It, it hurt if you did a bad swap. And then even if you didn't finish the album a year later, you were back doing it again. Or in the summer, you're doing the World Cup, the Euros, and you just you just kept going every year. It, it's kind of like to me, it's a bit a bit. Of, and as I remember, it's Justin touched on. Um, you used to go into the playgrounds, and you know, oh, has anybody got such and such players, <laughs> and, and and so forth. It's almost like a cult kind of following and and if i had to put it into sort of a modern day twist you know with everything that's gone digital now and and, and so forth it's a little bit like um the fantasy football to to a degree where people are not competing but they're 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 trying to get you know a a perfect sort of collection of of something and and just something that you touched on there is you know football's very much about you know your experiences and the players that you've seen and and collecting things like that and you know myself I've um, over the years followed Watford home in a way and I've got a a frame downstairs of literally every away ticket paper ticket before we've really started going digital that I've ever been to 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 anybody else it means nothing really it doesn't mean anything but to me it's like it's one of my prized possessions and you know it's scary to think of the money that I've spent (laughs) sometimes I look at it and I go oh my god (laughs) that is a that's horrendous I've spent some money on that and 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 these collectibles you know just going on to are they worth you know a full book that's completed is that worth pound shilling and pence now you know of a certain era they've always been worth something but uh, had you asked me that question two years ago it would have been a completely different answer to to what it is now. Yes, most of the most of the classic eighties UK albums are not worth that much. I mean, it depends what you call not worth that much because so many people collected them. So, for instance, uh, football eighty seven, football eighty eight, they sold a hundred million packets for each of wow. those collections. Wow! So, as you can imagine, lots of people finished the album. Yeah. So you you can still get a completed album for those. For about 50 pounds uh the, the investors so the, there's there's as many investors as collectors these days who are who are eyeing up stickers and cards with a view to making money from them all the money now is in loose stickers that were never stuck in right and cards in good condition so obviously from the 80s everybody when they collected they put an elastic band band around their swaps they stick them in their blazer pockets they weren't great condition mm. when you uh w- yeah. when you swap them so if if, if people do have their swaps then they're, they're not great quality the, the very few ones that exist that are of good quality they're they're rising in value right it's, especially if it's for they that they they call it rookie stickers so a a first 
sticker produced for that player. So as an example, and uh, this is the this is the peak example, Diego Maradona's first ever Panini sticker. He did have a few other collectibles prior to that, but his first ever Panini sticker sold at auction for $555,000 oh uh, earlier this year. Oh, my God. So that, at the moment, is the high water mark, but I can guarantee pounds? you it, it oh won't God. be for, for, for long. That's that's a lot of money. One thing that's always intrigued me uh, when I was collecting stickers, and you might know the answer to this, I, I hope you do, is was there an equal amount of each sticker made, or did they sort of go mm, let's only make a few of these so they're harder to get or because it always seemed to me that no one had the one I wanted and it was like we can't get hold of this it must be rare or it must only have about three printed did they yeah. print an equal amount of each sticker yeah I mean I've been since uh, since I did my first book on uh, Panini stickers in 2015 or it was published in 2015 as you can imagine I have been asked that a, a lot because uh, it, it is if that there, there have been conspiracy theories, even going back before we collected into into the fifties and sixties with, with cards. In the fifties and sixties, I, I do believe that that there were certain cards that not not only could not only were they printed in limited numbers, they weren't printed at all in in in, in, in wow. initial batches. Right. So so that that meant that people had to keep buying and buying to get this card that they weren't even going to put in packets until later later down the line. That's not. What uh, you say that there were some difficult stickers, yeah, in the, when when you were collecting, yeah. which uh, which ones? Oh, now you're asking. Well, well I, I, I certainly remember football '85. I couldn't get the QPR foil badge. Well, normally the answer to that is Liverpool, right? Uh, so any stickers related to Liverpool in the '80s, uh, further on it would have been Manchester United. But um, even when, when you go on eBay and you look at Liverpool badges from from the '80s, they they command a much higher price even now than the, any of the others. And uh, the, the reason why they were in such short supply was in didn't matter where you lived in the UK half of your class supported Liverpool oh. so when they when they got a double of a Liverpool badge or a Liverpool team or a Liverpool sticker they they would put it on their school books gotcha. uh, they put it on their bedposts at home got you they would they wouldn't put it in their swap piles. That's the reason. There might have been others that that were rare for what whatever reason. Maybe, mm. maybe you lived in an area. Maybe you lived in in, in West London uh, or, or or near West London, which was why QPR badge was particularly sort, right. sought after. I did. Yeah, so normally yeah, yeah. it is uh, it's it's a regional thing. One, right. one of my friends told me uh, who who lived in Essex. He he went to Scotland for the summer holidays. He he brought his swaps for the uh, for the the football album that. that just gone it had english and scottish teams in so he, he brought his swaps along and it had loads of rangers and celtic stickers because nobody wants rangers and celtic particularly in in essex but when he went to scotland everybody wanted them conversely he found it easy to get lots of liverpool stickers because less people was interested in liverpool there so there were more swaps available for, for liverpool right. so it, it it could also be regionalized but certainly in england as i say half half the half the class always supported liverpool that makes sense actually well we've got that now haven't we where we almost go through those little periods manchester united in the 90s we're almost and i we wander around watford and it, it, it's shameful to say but i see man city shirts in watford and it drives me drives me crazy it's just well i well i i walk around essex and i see more psg shirts than, than yeah. any other team now yeah there you so go because because i think the kids of today are are more into individual players than, than teams so yeah. so last season we i saw a few Juventus shirts now they're now they're manchester united shirts so they, they just seem to follow the players did, did Polini make um albums for other countries as well i know you said they started off in italy and obviously they've migrated but were they making sticker albums in South America and uh, Asia as well? Yeah, well, now uh, Panini are in about 150 countries around the world uh, because there are other companies that uh, that, that bid for for licenses. Uh, they they do tend to to swap around. Uh, so there's uh, Tops, an American company, or are always. They they bought Merlin, uh, who were uh, who were Merlin, big in the in, in the nineties, yeah, 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 and, yeah. and then 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 they bought uh, Merlin. But Panini have always been the biggest brand in Europe. But in in terms of America, until about two thousand nine ten. 
they were pretty much non non-existent. Then they they finally set up a headquarters in in America. Got hold of the the license for basketball because going to America in 2009-10 and saying look at us we've got the license for soccer wouldn't wouldn't have done it. Right. So they they had to get um, the the licenses for a popular American sport. So it was over the years they've had basketball, NFL, and hockey. At, at the moment they've got two of them, but they have actually lost them for the uh, for the next tender. So everything's up in the air. But as as it happens, football or soccer is now a lot bigger in America, and the World Cup's there soon. So so having licenses to to football will mean that that they can uh, remain relevant in there, and they've also so just got the WWE license and top. So as I say, they're, they're always battling. Uh, in terms of Europe, Panini will always be the, the king. They've right. th- they've done the Italian league album consecutively for 60 years now. They've done the the Belgian one consecutively for 50 years, France for 45 years, Spain. Germany is the only big league that they're not doing at the moment, but they did do the German league for 30 years as well. So just a question I, I kind of I guess I don't understand it so and, and you might not know the answer but Panini obviously as a, as a, as a brand and a company they they, they have the stickers and the, and the images of players that you, you put into the album they produce the album I get that the actual images of the players is that something that they would go in and, and take or would they get them from an official like i.e. you know in today's the Premier League so the Premier League have the, the players images and they print them onto a sticker Did, did how did that kind of work back in the day yeah well well now as you say um it's all the the images you see that are used on sky sports yeah are, are all they're, they're all done on the same day they're given to sky sports they're given to panini everyone yeah but it, it's all well not, not not everyone everyone who has a, the a, a license yeah. yeah so panini paid a, a lot of money for that oh. um back in the day they still needed to have licenses with the the pfa and with the football league, and right. and that was what Panini did well. So there were other companies. If if you look in the seventies and the eighties, there are other sticker albums, but that they they won't be as as uniform because they didn't have the the licenses. So you, you'll see some albums with with players in kits from three or four years before. Right. They might even be in kits from different clubs. Whereas whereas Panini, although it wasn't a specific Panini photo shoot during during preseason, they had a photographer there taking the photos at uh, at the photo call who would then send them and uh, in, in those days the lead time was a lot longer so that the pictures would be taken in what July but the album wouldn't come out until all uh, until January because that that's how long it took they that they had to post the pictures to Italy and then get the proofs back posted rather than emailed yeah. it was so it, it, it was a much longer process one thing that interests me is um obviously there must have been a, a peak time for sticker collecting and 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 etc i'm guessing that that it's tailed off a bit now that there's not so much of a um, an interest in collecting stickers for sticker albums is is that correct or is it still as popular no, as it always no, was no it's not thanks to people of of, of our age uh, the their biggest selling album ever globally was the brazil 2014 album really so people because, are swapping them at work now are they rather than yeah still. <laughs> because because people can now people who collected in the 80s we were relying on our parents to get to get us a couple of packets every few days right now we could go to a shop and buy a whole box right. and, it, and for, for many it was a holy grail to be able to do that right and, and that is what people were doing panini's masterstroke in 2014 and and they and they now do it for every album was to give away the album for free in uh, supermarkets and news agents right lots of people picked up the album that way and, and it, it was a gateway drug yeah you, you got the album yeah. inside there were six free stickers and then people thought oh actually yeah. i might do that yeah and then and then obviously as grown-ups you didn't have a playground anymore but you you then had the cyber playground because people were collecting on and swapping on twitter on facebook now it'll be instagram as well and so i guess it um, actually aided how much swaps you could yeah, do it, it was a per- perfect storm for them you even had people like ed sheeran and, and ed balls and josh widdicombe posting their swaps on on twitter oh, for 2014. really wow that's awesome isn't okay it? there was definitely a certain smell to those packets when you opened opened them i can now that we've been talking about it i can smell the stickers when you open that packet it just you open it there was a there was a certain smell to them wasn't there yeah there's i 
I've touched on it in the book, but you can't define it. So uh, maybe we should have had a scratch and sniff section in the, in, in the book to, to, to bring back the memory. Because, yeah, although, although they still do the, the stickers, I don't think the smell is the same, or maybe our, our senses have, have changed since since we were, were kids. Where did where did you kind of start with your love of Panini and, and, and kind of try and talk me through, I guess, how it sort of led you to, to, to where you are now? The, the first album was, was Football 79, and then and then from there I collected until the early 90s. Um, when I wow. went to when I went to college, did you complete and, them all? Were they all complete? No. Oh, okay. But that was the thing. I, I, although I had a, I kept an interest. People in college and university in the nineties didn't didn't collect. Now it's a, it would be seen as a bit of an ironic cultish thing to do. For, yeah, yeah, of for, for twenty year olds. Yes, but then you would have been. Well, you probably would have had to leave university if you asked <laughs> uh, asked people if they wanted to swap swap their their stickers. So yeah. I kept an interest i didn't do too many collections i collected some of my favorite players whatever but but then in 2012 i rediscovered all my old albums at my, my parents and and realized that no i didn't finish any of my albums right I, uh, I came within one which for my first album which was the closest but um but i didn't so i thought wouldn't it be interesting now i've got a little bit more money to try to finish some of them uh, originally it was to try to finish all of them but um after that i then got married and had kids so that that scuppered that that went out the window <laughs> yeah so I, I have finished some but but also now because of what's happened over the last two years and in, in terms of the the value of certain stickers certain rookie stickers rising it means unless i want to pay 50 to 100 pounds for, for one sticker out of many I, I will never finish some of those albums if there's a loose sticker that's worth 100 pounds i don't even think i want to stick it in because uh, it's worth I, more. I, I might as well sell it myself, yeah, right, yeah, and, yeah. and make and make make money out. But it just doesn't make sense to peel something to, to basically be be burning hundred hundred and fifty pounds. You got you got that money in your hand. Yeah. You peel off the back and stick it in, and it's gone. Yeah. I'd like to know what a Luther Blissett um, sticker's worth. <laughs> Because we're 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 very much we're lucky actually. I'm I'm bragging here. I won't. I don't. I don't mind admitting it. But we're we're, we're very much in favour with Lou Blissett and we, we speak to him very regularly. He's been on this podcast a number of times. But I'd love to get hold of a Lou Blissett sticker. I, I can exclusively reveal that uh, he features in the book three times. Ah, okay. So more than what what I wanted to do. I I generally achieved it. I, I wanted to get as many people players in as possible. Some people are recurring um and and as it happens luther is one of them he he appears three three times in, in my book and don't forget also that he's one of the few players in the 80s who also appeared in a, in a in an overseas album uh, so, so he's course, in a yeah. italian yeah, calciatoria album too so so yeah his his panini career is quite prolific He'd love that. Yeah, he, he, he even had a pro set card for for Bournemouth in in the early nineties. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, it's probably irrelevant. But would a signed card be worth more as well if they're signed by the player in America? Because I know, they, yeah, that's what I was getting. Baseball cards and and so yeah, forth. Where, yeah. But what? But they actually put in sign cards into the collection so that they're worth more money when they're officially signed for the collection rather than this is an unsigned card or an unsigned sticker and that and that then it gets signed uh that that's not to say that that they don't have value but i I just think at their highest when when they come as they are and in their best condition as if they come straight out of a packet so are the legends of the game maradona and those sort of guys they're always going to be more collectible and say I don't want to name a player that's not going to be collectible because it's not fair but are the big names always more collectible than the the lesser known names yes so it Especially their their first, their, their rookie, or their or one of their early stickers, right? Or, or cards. So as I say, you've you've got the the high water mark of the Maradona at the moment, but what uh, one of Pele's cards sold for a quarter of a million, and they will rise. Sad, sadly, uh, you do get a lot of coffin chasers in the collectibles industry who collect uh, players who they think are m- might potentially not not last right. too long. 
on hmm. or too much longer, which is very sad. Um, so as, so if you'd gone on eBay within an hour of Diego Maradona dying, all, all his stickers and cards rose exponentially. Yeah. Um, and Bonkers. so the, so, so people are chasing older players now, not just because they're legends, but because they also think that uh, when, when they die, they might make a bit of a pretty penny. So I, I don't want to say that all collectors are like that because they're not. But I, unfortunately, there has been a growing element over the last couple of years that are purely in it to make money. And, and again, if that's what they want to do, you know, everybody's got to make a bit of money. But I, with, with the books that I write and the articles that I write and the social media content I put up, you, you were saying about people who don't have any value. And in America, it's called junk wax because <laughs> because you can't make any money out of it. Right. But but I think every single player on these cards and stickers have had a professional sports career. There's nothing junk about that. No, no, Everybody no. who didn't make it and who loves whatever sport they follow would have loved to have been on a sticker or a card, and and they all have their own story, even of if they. There are there are players who there's for instance a, a Birmingham City player um, in football '84. There, there's a there's a Martin Call sticker of, of Birmingham, and as it happens, Martin, it's not Martin Call. He played for it, Watford, didn't he? Martin Call, I'm pretty sure. I think point. he might have done after Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. sorry to interrupt. I'm but sure he did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. this Martin Call sticker isn't Martin Call. It's it's a player called Wayne Mumford. <laughs> He never had his own sticker. So so his face is on the Panini sticker, but you'll, you'll never see his name on one. That's mad. And so so the, wow. you've got all these strange stories. And and funnily enough, there's a there's that, that happened with two Watford players in football eighty four. Did it? So okay. so Paul Atkinson and George Riley yeah. were swapped up. Were swapped their names were swapped over. Seriously. Swapped over. They're both in the book with that <laughs> uh, with, with that mix up. Sure fortunately, somebody, I'm sure somebody picked up on that. Yeah. I think we had a message saying that the, the players are the wrong way round. Fortunately in football eighty five they, they appeared again and they appeared under the right names. You can't miss George Riley, he had no front teeth. No front teeth. That's the thing. <laughs> in those days there was there was no internet to check the names mm. so so the photographers would caption the uh, their photos send them over to Panini obviously in in the in the early to mid 80s we didn't have wall-to-wall football if you if you grew up in the north and you had your regionalized big match you wouldn't see Watford much right Sim- similarly gr- growing up down south the only way you ever recognized the, the Birmingham or Middlesbrough or Sunderland players was through a Panini album because yeah. at the very most you might get a couple of minutes highlights of a Birmingham or a Sunderland game on the big match but they wouldn't be the, the main match would they no 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 you're right it's all changed it's all changed completely yeah yeah, absolutely. I do remember uh, when I nearly completed an album once. I think, if I remember rightly, you were allowed to write off yes. for five stickers. Only one of no, them could 50. be... 50, was 50, it? Yeah. Uh, but only one could be a foil, is that correct? Uh, I think I think you were limited, maybe five or ten foils, possibly five. It might, might have been five. Foils, right. Yeah. So is it really you 50? Couldn't, you couldn't send off for 50 foils. 50 is quite generous. I seem to remember it was about five. I was like, wow, I'm nearly there. It might, could... it, it might have changed depending on the album. So if there were less stickers, but, yeah. so, but generally for the UK domestic, you could have up to about 50. So. Right. Well, that makes I, sense. I, I actually think that's the reason why I didn't finish Football 79 because I, I, I was one short and the only reason I could imagine is I sent off for my 50 and they didn't send me one of them. Oh, that was nice of them. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that still happens now when, when people order online. Yeah. They don't get all of their stickers, but fortunately that they can rectify it now. Right, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's more monitored, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. A friend of mine does something now, which I guess is the electronic version of it. He's involved in this thing online. That he was trying to explain it to me, and I was like, no, I don't really understand this, but... It sounds almost like it's the same sort of thing. Is is there some sort of electronic equivalent now with sticker swapping? Yeah, or... are, you, are you talking about NFTs? That sounds like it. It seems yeah. to be very popular in the, in the Asian market, I think. Yes. Uh, well, very popular uh, and increasingly popular over, over here as well. Um, there's a, I, I actually did some PR for a French company a, a couple, of, couple of years ago who, who were pretty much the, uh, the pioneers for, for NFTs and they've got licenses for many European leagues and uh, they've just signed up loads of legends uh, right, to, okay. to, to do their official NFTs. And, but basically they are digital collectibles. You possess 
a, a, a link and that's your that's your nft non-fungible token so you you own that card and that's yours and nobody else's and it can be proved through blockchain I, i'm boring myself no because I'm, it, it I'm, doesn't. No, not <laughs> because because i'm i'm like you i'm a, a growing up in the 80s I, i'm all about the physical uh the, the the holding a card holding a sticker the nfts and the digital collectibles are a more at kids other than the fact that there's also an investment side now right so okay. older people are seeing that if if there's a unique nft for mbappe erling Haaland, or or the, one of the older players then they will go for lots and lots of money right. and uh, right. main and only adults can afford those yeah so so it's yeah it's 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 the same as the physicals as in there that there is an investment side to this and at the moment it's uh it's growing massively all, all the all the leading players are also getting on board so panini and uh, and tops uh even uh futera which, which existed in the the 90s they they made a comeback about 18 months ago when the, or maybe maybe even less than that when they saw during lockdown that all of a sudden collectibles were, were going for stupid prices Silly money again yeah yeah so yeah. so they, they made a comeback they're buying up all sorts of licenses they've just launched a, an nft football team and uh it's just it's just going crazy at the moment the collectibles market was there a takeover at some point and I, I could be completely off kilter here was it Ma- something to do with the maxwells or yeah you might you might have if, if you saw the stuck on you doc- documentary then, yeah i was going to come uh, on to that in a second yeah, but that's yeah, why you that's might have I... got it from that so yeah that's it he yeah, yeah. um he he bought the company in 1988 because uh he was the the mirror did promotions with panini so token you cut out tokens in the mirror you got free album free free stickers they they did that up until the mexico 86 album and then the sun wanted to do it as well the the collaboration so the sun and the mirror both put out for tender the sun won uh so robert maxwell thought right what's the what's the only way i'm going to get this contract back i'm going to buy the company As we now found out, he didn't didn't really have the funds to buy it for a while. Panini was one of the few companies that were, was making money for him, but he was siphoning that money into other areas areas of his business. Uh, as a result of Maxwell taking over, four of the leading players involved with the Panini albums left to set up Merlin. The rest was history for Merlin. They got the Premier League contract. Panini didn't, um, so Panini had a, a, a quite a downturn especially in the in the UK mm. uh, but it, it all turned out well for them in, in the end and they they obviously have recovered just going on to what you've just mentioned there just about the stuck on you side of it how did that all come about with regards to the ITV getting involved with with a documentary as it happens that the stuck on you book and the stuck on you documentary in terms of getting them to, to print and to TV were probably two of the easiest um, oh, okay. things <laughs> just to the point of someone agreeing to do it. I'm, I'm not saying it was all easy, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I collect, I collected the 2014 Brazil World Cup album, which was the first time I'd done a real-time Panini album for about 20 years. Right. And I enjoyed it so much that I, I even did it twice. And, and then I thought, <laughs> well, I'm a... I'm a writer. Panini at that point were over 50 years old and they still remain quite a mystery to people. All these people have collected over the years, but nobody knows anything about them, really. They're quite a secretive brand. So I thought, wouldn't it be good to write a book about Panini, but not just Panini, but the history of football stickers in, in the UK, especially as it, as it, it had a huge revival for the Brazil 2014. So I wrote to I wrote to one publisher, Pitch. They said yes, and it was printed seven months later. Wow. So that's easy. <laughs> yeah. That was easy. The, the the process was very difficult. I I uh, my wife had just given birth to twins, so it was tough. Yes. But uh, but actually getting the book agreed was as simple as you could possibly have. I, I don't know if you ever saw the, the documentary about Admiral Football Shirts. It's no. called uh, called Get Shirty. They were obviously the pioneers of um, selling kits to to the public. So in the seventies they were massive, weren't they? With uh, oh yeah, yeah, Admiral the England kit, Man yeah. United, um, Tottenham, all sorts of teams. Leeds were were I think they were the first club to to have Admiral. So I watched this documentary and I thought that's a similar nostalgic thing to Panini stickers. I'm gonna I'm gonna find out the name of that documentary maker and I'm gonna write to them. I wrote to them and uh, pitched the idea. They got back the following day and said, 
what a good idea. Brilliant. Um, they then got in touch with ITV. They also said, what a good idea. And uh, the following year, it, it, it was a documentary on ITV. So, um, And it was last repeated at, at Christmas. Um, hopefully it'll be on again. And, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's done me well. So uh, Good. And, uh, I, but I actually wrote to Bloomsbury for this current book before the documentary came out in uh, 2017 so as you can tell four years down the line this this one has been a lot tougher yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, and so what what is this book about then it's it's obviously a 60 year celebration of panini but what can we expect in the book when it's released later on this month well the, the thing that i wanted to do differently from the last book was make it more far more image-led because panini is uh is, is an image-led uh company looking at the stickers look at the faces is what it's all about so this this book has got 2,000 images but also lots of content. It covers every UK domestic album between Football 78 and Football 93 and their first Premier League album, Comeback, in 2020. It covers every World Cup album, every Euro album, uh, so with with content and uh, images for all of them. Uh, And it's also got special sections uh, for countries around the world, um, managers section, haircuts, facial (laughs) hair, all all sorts of stuff. So that it's one of those books that I think people will probably flick to their favourite season, their favourite era first, yeah. or their favourite World Cup, their first World Cup, and then they'll they'll keep flitting around. I would imagine. When it came to the uh, imaging rights of these these things, did, was it all covered under Panini, or did you have to sort of ask permission for people to use their photos in the book? Panini have um, have paid for all of these stickers to be to be published in the first place. Uh, they pay a license to. Uh, the the PFA, the Football League, the Premier League, and then that money filters down to the players. So yes, those images at this point are are, are Panini's. What what happens in the future with everybody wanting to claim a bit of the pie? Who, mm, who knows? Absolutely. But, but at the I, I would like to think that uh, players in this book will be happy to feature in it. It's uh, it's nice for them to look at. It's nice for their families to look at and to, to say that they've been part of an album, part of something, part of a community. People have been swapping their their stickers, and I, and I hope they they see a value beyond how much can I can I get for this? Because of course, um, of course, it's, yeah. it's, especially in the old days. I mean, well, not not just the old days. Now, Padini have to pay a lot of money. For, for licenses and that they have to pay an increasing amount. Of course. Um, so it's not easy to put together an album which uh, is is very popular with with, with collectors. It, it takes a, a lot of work. Mm. Uh, and I think Panini and the other companies it should be given given credit for that. And that they have brought a lot of happiness to a lot of people over over sixty years now. Yeah, yeah it's, it's nostalgia, isn't it? It brings yeah. back memories. I mean we've spoken here now for for a time and you know Justin mentioned opening the packets and there being a smell and you know certain players that you know some of them I never even got to really see but again I keep going back to it but we're very fortunate to see Ian Bolton's and see Luther Blissett's and they're in that and it's you know it's incredible and, and and one thing I just want to say for anybody that well everybody that can't see this because of course it's a podcast behind you is um is uh next Panini book out November 25th and then you've got um and again, then I've got on, on the other side is there's a poster of the book it's brilliant it looks awesome I'm definitely going to get a copy. Yeah, um, I think we will. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a copy yeah. of that. One thing that is still quite weird as well sometimes is if, if I do a Google image search for a player. So, for example, recently I was trying to find a picture of Neil Smiley, who used to play for <laughs> Watford, and the first image that comes up is his Panini sticker. I guess he didn't really, you know, make that much of an impact that there's a picture of him scoring a goal or anything else. So you're saying that as if that's a bad thing. No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. No, no, no. I would say that's a good thing. It is a good thing, but it's just, it's just, you know, you you, you all of a sudden you think, oh, I'll try and find a picture of Neil Smiley in there with his name underneath it, Neil Smiley, and he's got his terrible haircut and his nice new Watford top on. It's just, it's just strange how that would be the first picture that popped up. But it just, to be honest, I, I would say, even for big players in the 80s, when you ask people to think of a player, especially if it wasn't necessarily for a club that they supported, a lot of people will think of their oh, one of yeah. their Panini stickers first. It, it, it might be because they kept occurring in their packets yep. or it might be because they never got them. Mm. But but when I go on Twitter, people and and they they bring up these names from the eighties. So many times people say I remember them because of a particular Panini sticker of that 
yeah. of that player. I'm sure. I can't count the amount of Lenny Lawrence's I had to get rid of. Oh, not Lenny Lawrence again. Not Every again. time I have the packet, Lenny Lawrence. I don't want Lenny Lawrence. I've got a thing for kits. Yes. For, yeah. for, and, 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 and football kits now are making a real comeback, especially the retro stuff. I mean, our, our, even our club, they actually sell retro they are. kits. They're, they're selling They've our redone kits. them. Yeah. yeah. This is what made uh, Football 83 such a special album for supporters because that, that was the only album that had full-length player stickers. So you, so for Football 83, you see the, the whole kit. So in, in Watford's case, the Ivy Code kit. And it, it made... It made for some quite quirky stickers. Alan Curses of Swansea is wearing red moccasins rather than <laughs> rather than football boots. <laughs> I, I sometimes flicker between a few, but I think that's that's my all time favourite uh, favourite Polini sticker. For, is that your favourite one for the, for, for the red moccasins? Because it's but just you just don't expect to see that. To you see it, yeah. yeah. No, that's and I, I, I was lucky enough to uh, interview him finally. Unfortunately, that there was no room for player quotes in the book, uh, but I'm, I'm doing an article in Backpass in a couple of issues time with, with quotes from players about what it was like to be in Panini albums. Did they collect anything as kids like, like that? And uh, Alan Curses. So I finally got the, the story, but I'm not going to reveal it. People can uh, can buy Backpass in a couple of issues to find out the, uh, <laughs> the, the story behind the sticker. First question, this comes via Twitter, comes from Chalky White. And now some of these aren't questions, they're actually comments, which are quite nice, you know, just because it's nostalgic and it's it's good to talk about. But uh, Chalky White says, in 1985, why did the 20-year-olds look 40 and the (laughs) 30-year-old players look 50? There there is actually a Twitter feed. I think it's um, 80s footballers ageing badly. And, And most of those... Most of those are images from uh, from Panini albums, and it it does seem to be Scottish players in particular. Um, Alan, uh, what's his name off Talksport? Uh, Alan Brazil. Alan Brazil. My God, that was a head of hair. <laughs> well, yeah. Again, he's on football uh, for football eighty of uh, of the book. But if you if you then look at football eighty two, it's uh, it's drastically receded. Well, I'm <laughs> not even sure that's that's the word for it. It's uh, it's almost gone. And then, but certainly by the time you get to about football eighty five, there's nothing there. It's all gone. Um, but uh, no, I mean he's he's pride of place on on the cover for his for his football eighty sticker. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's he's looking that that old certainly not as old as some of the some of the goalkeepers and the uh, and, and the other players in the Scottish teams Phil Parks always looked really old of West Ham <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> He always looked really old. Maybe, maybe his moustache. It could I have think been his the facial hair. It yeah, was it more of been, a thing yeah. then, wasn't it? It was yeah. more of a, especially the the, the moustache. Oh. Uh, Tony Coton, for instance, used to pull oh. off a lovely bit of facial. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. there's there's two pages of um, facial hair in the book, and we weren't we weren't short of, of options. <laughs> I was going to say of options. Yeah. We weren't short of options, but they pretty much all came from the late seventies and early eighties albums. I mean, we we could have taken them all from from football eighty for for hair. And, and and facial hair. <laughs> I think uh, I think in terms of why Kevin Keegan seemed to set the trend in the late seventies, and then in in football eighty, pretty much any everyone had it, even people who you don't associate. They they never had it in another album. So people like uh, Phil Phil Neal, who, who isn't associated with a perm, even even he had one. Did he um, really? Phil, Phil Thompson had a had a short lived one. Tomo, and, uh, as I say. <laughs> I, I, I also think it was potentially based on um, the fact that Leo Sayer was quite popular. At, oh, at, at the, the perm. Time. Yeah, the perm. The perm. Fantastic. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Brian Edwards asks, actually quite quite a good question, this, uh, how much would it cost to actually complete an album? Did anyone ever? Yes, we've answered that. <laughs> Did anyone else's older brother steal the football stickers by the box from Woolworths? Still didn't complete an album. Oh, there's a comment. Oh, there's, but, there's lots of... Um, the, I've heard lots of thieving tales over, over the years um, because, obviously, in news agents... They were always on the top. In so the a, a lot of the times they were behind the counter, but sometimes they weren't. So one person would distract the one yeah. shopkeeper... <laughs> 
and then then someone else would take about ten packets and, and filter them round. Yeah, uh, I mean to be honest, they're relatively wholesome tales of, of stealing stickers compared to Brazil in 2014 when a, a lorry load or a van load of panini stickers was was hijacked uh, with about oh. 250,000 packets worth. Oh, yeah. uh, so it's it's. It's a it's a bit more. Um, it, it used to be petty crime, and that, now now it's a bit more serious. Yeah, I never, held, I never held up the news agents for. Them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I suppose it, it's a different. Uh, it's, it brings a different mood into. It's a stick up. Ah, boy, oh, there he goes. I love what very he did good. there. Very did good. Very good. So, just going back on that question, was there an average amount that it cost to complete an album? Do you know, or is it just well? Luck? Yeah, that's a, that's another thing. Um, there was a there was a site, or there was a professor in 2018 who uh, made a name for himself by, by claiming that it would cost about £750 to finish the 2018 Panini World Cup album. That made the headline. And clearly it wouldn't, but it was based on not swapping, right. just opening up packets to, to try to get every sticker. Who does that for a start? No one. Um, no. Most of the fun is swapping. Yeah. If you shopped around, there were, there were Groupon deals, there were two-for-one offers, some, sometimes in newsagents and supermarkets, and uh, you could buy bundles on, on eBay. If, if you were shrewd that the 2018 album, for example, would cost you, I would say, around about £100. And I I don't think that's too bad for something that that, that can potentially take two or three months' worth of, uh, yeah. of swapping in a community. I, I think that's quite good. If you, you want to go out in London, for a night it will cost you a hell of a lot more than, uh, than it would to, to complete a, a Panini album that's a relatively so, inexpensive so yeah I think yeah. that I thought that headline was unfortunate I, I actually even appeared on the ITN news um, disputing it talking about that and, and they and they cut my quote halfway through so I, I don't know I don't, don't know if you've ever watched Gavin and Stacey but there's yeah. a, there's a uh, Mick uh, witnesses a uh, a murder right. and uh, he, he he builds it up to all the family and everyone yeah. watches and, and yeah. then and then they, they reduce it to about 10, 10 words yes uh, and take, it. taken out I've of context it. Yes. It, 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 it's what they did uh, but uh, <laughs> But yeah, it, it was in, it was it was interesting to be on the, the six thirty ITN news anyway. Cam Bell, this is more of a comment, but I like this one. That's why I picked it. Um, a Panini sticker <laughs> album is actually how a bloke from Huddersfield ended up a Watford supporter. So it just shows you like all over the country and Watford in the you know as you, as you touched on a, on a certain period under Mister GT were well a force to be reckoned with for it for a period. So oh, definitely. Yeah, I've, I, I have seen when people are asked, why did you support a certain team? A lot of people say it was because they were the first team I completed in uh, in a Panini album or wow. it was the first sticker that I ever got in a Panini album. Strangely enough, half of them seem to be Liverpool supporters. So uh, it seems that. a bit of a coincidence, <laughs> that, uh, but especially bearing in mind nobody ever completed the Liverpool album. So I think some of them might be uh, might be might be being economical on the on, on the truth there, just just yes. to justify why they support Liverpool in in Cornwall. Yes, yes, it's funny that they were doing well at that time as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one actually, I think, goes back to what you you said just before we started the questions. What is your favourite? Panini sticker or player, maybe from from yeah. your uh, you know from from your collection days. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's Alan Curtis with his his red moccasin sticker, uh, red moccasins from from Football <laughs> eighty three as as the only album in the UK that ever did full length stickers. That it was an opportunity, a bit of li- license for players, and uh, two of two of his two of Alan Curtis's Swansea teammates didn't have any boots on. Phil Phil Parks had some strange sand shoes on, uh, but as I say, none of them none of them top Alan Curtis with, with his with his moccasins. So uh, <laughs> in the, in the first uh, Panini album, Football '78, there is some great heads implanted onto other other bodies really? and uh, kits oh. coloured in, which is what what they used to do on on tops cards in the seventies. But Panini only did it for their first album because they were they were, they were rushing around to, to to get the album oh, yeah. done. So it, it's uh, the, the, it, it's a great album, far better than anything else that season. But it, it, it's nothing compared to the ones that they did moving on. So, so, they, so they Johan Edvaldson of... at Celtic, for example, had his head uh, <laughs> implanted onto the body of one of his teammates, oh but God. they'd only um, used half the background. Right. So, so 
half of the background is from one player and another half of the background is 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 from from his head so if you analyze that sticker that those two stickers uh, that's why i was saying to you about you don't have to be a star player to have an interesting sticker no obviously not that's bizarre was there a, a particular reason that they only ever sort of went for the uh, chest upward shot with these stickers rather than the full length ones which they did for football 83 well i th- i think if you if you if you crop them uh, to head and shoulders then you get to see that their face better so so for football 83 you get the full length so you don't or, or, although you see the kit and the boots or whatever but you don't see their faces quite as well and and i also think they they had a formula right. and uh their their head and shoulders uh you uniform so always that they all see that there's uh, other albums also would do would try to do head and shoulders or or in their rows but they would be but some of them wouldn't be head and shoulders some of them be action shots or some of them be different kits so right. panini's um usp was they're all from the same photo shoot they all had the right kits on yeah uh it was all the right season and that that's what made them stand out and and they, they've never changed right. and and 60 years later they're still doing the same and not not many brands can do the same thing they were doing 60 years ago and still be as popular no, absolutely. Got two more, and then that's that's us wrapped. And these are quite quite cool little ones that I, that I picked up on. It's, uh, this first one comes from this is from the rookery end. They've asked, "What's the true swap value of a shiny?" Which is a, a great question because no, definitely you, get, and, you uh, can get you can get caught out. Yeah, well, th- th- there is no answer. It's uh, it's it's between the the people who who are swapping. So uh, you you agree? Having having not uh, swapped since the eighties, uh, when I got back into it again, I was I was delighted when um, when somebody actually was actually happy to swap one for one a shiny with a non shiny. So even even if I didn't have a shiny to give him, he was happy to get. And I thought, oh, I thought I'm, I'm in heaven. How the world has changed, it's, it's especially. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have many shinies myself, so I, I was uh, I was I, I was in clover. But um, <laughs> but but uh, but if, if you're talking about the Liverpool badge from uh, from the eighties, if you it's very very rare. It's like the proverbial rocking horse uh, to, to to get a, a Liverpool shiny badge in double, uh, and and someone willing to give it. But if if they had that, they could command the earth. They could pretty. <laughs> much, I would imagine they could command pretty much all of your my swaps. entire collection of your, swaps. Yeah. Well, that. That amazingly, I've done it quite know how I've done it. That brings me on to the final question, which is what is the holy grail of stickers? That one perhaps that is always the hardest to find. And I guess it will be. Yeah, I mean, the... yeah, it's uh, it's it, it depends when when you're asking. So if you're asking from the eighties, uh, then it it, w- it would be Liverpool stickers because uh, you that they so rarely came back into the uh, into into the swaps pack. So um, and then in the nineties, that would have changed a little bit and will be Manchester United. Yeah. And uh, and now I would say it's probably more as I was touching on the fact that people are more into individual players than than clubs now it's probably harder to get certain players i mean Kylian Mbappe's rookie world cup sticker from 2018 it it fluctuates but sometimes you'll see it go for 40 50 60 even 100 pounds and you think that sold in the millions that mm. that 2018 album there's mm. There's loads of them out there. That's bonkers, isn't it? But but people were were buying them up as if it's the uh, Mason Greenwood from uh, Football 2020. He started scoring a few goals, and people in America were buying his his loose sticker up for thirty forty pounds. Wow! And Just because they could to buy hit a bit it. of form and so forth. Yeah. They, yeah. And and it was his first sticker, and they thought, oh, he's going to be the new Mbappe or whatever. And you could buy it off for, from Panini's missing stickers. They had to take it off in the end because people were buying them for however much they were on on the missing stickers, probably about fifty p, and selling them on eBay for thirty forty pounds. So they had to take it off. <laughs> That's a good bit of business. They put it back in the end because in the end, people realised that there's there's loads of them out there. Why are you why are you chasing it and spending that much money when it's easy to get? But it, it just went crazy, and um, there are still crazy stickers out there and cars that I think you, you do realise that there's there's loads of these out there. 
<laughs> just just because people haven't put them on eBay, they have them, yeah, and yeah. Uh, um, and I think when people realise how many are out there, they're going to think, "Why on earth did I spend a hundred pounds on that, on it, that it, sticker?" It's human nature to a degree, though, isn't it? Because whenever yeah. they go, "Oh, something's not available," yeah. fuel, toilet yeah. roll, we yeah. have to go and buy it all. No, definitely. Yes, yeah, so it, it, it works in any <laughs> any kind of uh, yeah setting. But that is the end of the punters' question. So thanks for that. Hi, this is Nigel Gibbs, and you're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. So let's talk a little bit about your team. You're an Arsenal fan. We're playing you Sunday. How long have you been supporting Arsenal for a start? Was it made by your love of Panini stickers or was it something else? It's an unusual story because my dad and brother both played to West Ham United. Okay. Are they in the sticker books? My brother was in, he is in the sticker books in team groups in the UK ones. And he's also in a Swedish Panini album in an individual sticker. Uh, My my dad is so old that he's actually (laughs) in in the West Ham team group for Bobby Moore's first ever trading card. How brilliant from, is uh, that? From 19, 1958. Fantastic. There, there's that. Um, and when I first got into football in 1979, my, my dad was the reserve team manager at West Ham and my brother was the centre forward for West Ham Reserves. And within a month of me properly getting into football, I hadn't chosen my team but I suppose it was going to be inevitable that with my dad and brother at West Ham that I probably was going to support them. Uh, Within a month my dad was sacked by West Ham after 25 years of employment wasn't really appropriate for me to support West Ham anymore. (laughs) So uh, my dad supported Arsenal when he was a boy so that was it. So yeah people people do often uh, assume that I'm a West Ham supporter and uh, they they assume that my dad is still a West Ham supporter but we were season ticket holders at Arsenal for a long time time he's he's in his 80s now so he, he doesn't go anymore and and because i've got three young kids I, I don't go as much anymore but uh we're we from from 79 onwards i've it's been it's been arsenal F- favorite uh favorite player it started out Stuart robston and then when uh when tony adams came on the scene it, it was oh, it was him i used to love paul merson I know, uh, obviously, he went through his problems, but what a gifted player he was. Oh, you know, I mean, obviously, we've been very lucky, uh, very lucky at Arsenal. It was, a, it was a bad time to support Arsenal watching Watford games in, in the 80s. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't think teams don't even play two games in a row these days, but uh, in the 80s, not only did Arsenal play two two days in a row, they played the same team, Watford, That's two correct. days in a row and lost yeah. both, both times. Right. Yeah. It was and over Christmas was, or something, was, wasn't it? Yes. 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 Yeah, completely. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I was sick of Watford by then. Well, no, well I, was, I was sick of them by then. And then, and then obviously, uh, the following year was the FA Cup debacle. And then the following season, even when Watford barely won a game, they beat Arsenal twice. Apologies for that. <laughs> we got to, we got to take these small victories. You see, they don't come. They don't. They come were more than. I, I was I was looking back over the the head to head, and 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 it's only it's only the last five games prior to the game on Sunday where Arsenal won four and uh, drawn one. Prior to that, it's uh, it's it's very even, Stevens historically, yeah. and and you wouldn't. No disrespect to Watford, but Arsenal Arsenal. Arsenal's record against clubs that have been more successful for them. So, for instance, we, we now we must have beaten Tottenham probably twenty more times than we've lost. Mm. Whereas Watford, up until the last five games, it was it was fourteen twelve. Right. And uh, but some people might might be, might be surprised for that, considering Watford haven't been in the in the top division that that often. Maybe it's a case of had, had they been in at, at times when they weren't so good, Arsenal might have won won a few more games. I think I remember reading somewhere actually that uh, as the crow flies. Arsenal are closer to us as rivals than Luton, I think. I remember reading somewhere. Yeah, well, it's, there's... It's, especially with the training ground. Yeah, oh, well, true. Yeah, you're next not wrong there. Next door, yeah, we keep throwing your balls back when they come As there. I understand it, and factually, not always factually correct on this podcast, but as the crow flies, it's Brentford. Um, Is it Brentford? That are closest to us in, in terms of... of distance and, right. and so forth but nothing can take away our hatred for Luton or theirs of us yeah, <laughs> yeah and vice versa yeah absolutely do not scratch your eyes
Greg, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been uh, an absolute delight talking to you. Thanks a lot. I ju- just before I go, I'd just like to mention that there is uh, an event around the book in London on November the 18th. So it's a, it is a book signing, but there's also um, a talk uh, and also three giveaways by, by Panini there. So it's a, it's a, it's a, the, the, the tap in, which is a football nostalgia brand in Elephant and Castle. I'd be nice to see supporters of all, all teams there, even even some of the teams that I don't don't like, which, which, which doesn't which doesn't include Watford. Oh, bless well. your heart! Thank you very much. It's been an absolute treat talking to you, Greg. Thank you very much it for has. joining us. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.